Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, uh, I was shopping the other day. And that's, that's like my one thing I love and relaxes me. I go shopping. I go to Sprouts here in Burbank. And I go to Ralph's. And occasionally, I go to Trader Joe's. And it's weird why I go to Trader Joe's. Joanne loves stuff from Trader Joe's. But I go because they have the best bananas in town. And that sounds odd. But when you go to, let's say, you know, Ralph's or Sprouts, they have the ones that are... Uh, either too ripe or not just ripe and I buy for five days so it's the one thing I love but I went to Ralph's the other day and I noticed I hate people who just take advantage of the 15 or less I mean if it's 17 that's fine but someone went with 25 items and I always feel like they just had this entitlement so I got very irritated I didn't say anything I left and I went my way but that's about it anyway we have a great show today um, I'm getting someone from behind the scenes somewhat uh, he's uh, I usually at the front of the camera now he's a producer manager head of uh, New Wave Entertainment not a manager not a manager okay. Okay, but three years, three years I've been retired from management, but okay. the, the rest is good. Okay, and it's Brian Bulkweiss. Hello. How you doing, man? It's good. To, it's, it's funny, his offices are right next door, so you can walk, which is great. The greatest commute of all time. Exactly. So uh, how how'd you, first of all, how'd you end up in the business? I mean, as a kid, because you always find out like comics or actors. Did you want to be an actor ever or no. a writer or no? Look at me. It was, of course not. Yeah, but you could be an actor. You got the character actor. Oh, right? you're very kind. You could be a comic. No. Uh, no, no. Um, I never wanted to be an actor. I never wanted to be a comedian. Um, I had seen um, a very small amount of comedy before I moved out to L.A. I was always a Star Wars, Star Trek guy. Um, I wanted to be a director. I went to college to be a director. I got out here um, in uh, July of uh, 1998. And um, I was on a couple sets, and I realized very quickly that, you know, when you're in college and you're making student films, you have to do every job. So I was directing my student films, and I was producing my student films. So when I got out to L.A., what I realized was what I enjoyed about student films was the producing part, not really the directing part. So I realized probably about six months after I got here that I wanted to be a producer and not a director. Okay. Well, question I have though, it's like it's very weird because you grew up in New York, yeah. Queens, yep. and then you ended up going to college in Iowa, which Correct. is just—it's not most people. And if they want to be in the entertainment, you're sure. in the mecca where you can go to sure. NYU. Did you have family in Iowa? Or, I did not. But did, I mean, did you uh, when you were in high school? So you knew you were going to go to film school. Um, yes. Oh, I've known since th- like three years old after I saw Star Wars that I wanted to be in entertainment. Why do you think that? I mean, was it just it caught you and you were just fascinated as a kid? Or? I swear to God this is true, and I, I have the book. I can show it to you if you need to. I was young enough. I was born in 76, and uh, the movie basically, it technically came out in 77, but it really played for almost four years. So it, to a certain extent, it's the first movie I ever saw, so I was very young when I saw it. I literally, basically, I thought, I didn't know the term at the time, but I basically thought it was a documentary. So, for months, I guess, maybe more, maybe a year, I was like, you know, people would say to me, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I'd be like, I want to be a X-Wing fighter pilot, or (laughs) I want to uh, build, uh, you know, Millennium Falcons. So, my mom bought me this book that showed the making of Star Wars. I have it at home. I still have it. And it literally showed... C-3PO with his mask off, the models of the X-Wings in front of a blue screen. So that, literally the minute I realized it was all fake and it was all storytelling and it had, as cheesy as it sounds, it had literally transported me to another world, I was like, that's what I want to do. Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, and it, you can't, it's not cheesy as it sounds. You said I was 76, okay? I was yeah. born in 63. So for me, even as a... a rough four, year. Yeah, but <laughs> me as a 14-year-old, it was still 
fascinating. Not I'm for, sure for a for a three year old. Yeah, you you don't. I mean, like when I was a kid, baby, I remember getting Kennedy getting shot. <laughs> I don't remember. Exactly. I was, I was yeah, like yeah, yeah. Old. Yeah. But no, it must have been. Yeah, it must have just been sitting there. When, and as a kid, you would believe it because for us, it's like anything. When you're younger. You believe so much of this stuff. That's why my parents wouldn't let us see the birds. We used to go camping because they're like, well, they're going to be afraid that, you know, if they see a bird, you know, especially made out of it's imagination. It's a scary movie to, to today. It's a scary yeah. movie. So you, you see it and you find out, you go, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. So you're in New York now. Are you, are you doing stuff in high school? Are you putting projections? I'm making, oh, yeah. I'm making all these student films. Not student films. I'm making little films. And it was, a, it was really hard to do it back then. I mean, it literally was VCRs hooked up together. There was, I don't mean to sound 3,000 years old, but there was no internet. So you couldn't go online and say, how do you connect to VCRs? Like, so you had to learn everything. Um, it was really, compared to today, it was really tough. And the films that I made in college, and films is definitely in quotes, um, if you saw them, you would know why. Um, but they were literally cut, to, they were made on 16 millimeter. They were cut together with tape. So I, I always feel like I'm like the last if I buy a computer, it's the last computer without a chooser cable. Okay. When I left college, I'm not exaggerating, I was saying goodbye to all my teachers in the communications department, and in the background, all these boxes were being wheeled in, and I'm like, what's that? And it was like the forerunner to the Avids were being brought in. I was literally the last class at the University of Iowa to be cutting physical film with blades and taping them together. See, that must suck for you when you came out to L.A. because people already had that training. And for you, yeah. you probably thought, okay, I, I know that I have this down. Then you go, wait a second, there's a whole thing. I mean, I have a friend who's in video assist, and he has the old equipment. And then all yeah. of a sudden he goes, man, he goes, I got to take a class. He goes, I got to get new equipment because the things I had for years, has changed. Yep. So how'd you pick University of Iowa? That's what I want to find. Um, basically, and few people can say this, I am, as far as I can tell, uh, for at least three or four, maybe more generations, uh, I'm the first person in my mother's side or father's side to only have a bachelor's degree. All my family have doctorates, dentists, PhDs, lawyers, whatever. So because I was raised in that environment, I knew I had to go to college. Because of Star Wars and going into Hollywood, I knew it was absolutely irrelevant to where I went to college. And I'm a big, I like doing new things. I knew I'd be in, I knew I would be in LA my whole life. I had spent 18 years in New York. So I just wanted to go somewhere different for those four years. I, I did not think it would be Iowa, but I had gotten into Wisconsin and Chicago. Iowa was in the middle. My dad and I did this whole big tour. And I just fell in love with it. Here's the interesting thing. This will probably make you laugh. I literally, I woke, I, I got into Iowa City at night, went to bed. My dad and I woke up. We started walking around Iowa City. And it was just like, oh my God, this is where I want to go to college. Everything felt so comfortable. Everything felt great. That was it. Literally went to the bookstore, bought the sweatshirt, the stickers. My dad was like, are you going here? I'm like, I'm going here. I feel so comfortable. Year later, I get in, I'm, I'm a, uh, a freshman, I'm going through everything, and I hear for the first time, all the exteriors for the TV show Coach were filmed at the University of Iowa, wow. and I'd seen every episode, it was my mom's favorite show at the time, so of course it felt comfortable, I'd been, I didn't put two <laughs> and two together, but I'd literally been looking at it once a week for like five or six years. It's amazing how this stuff works, because my college was in the middle of Pine Barrens, and it was all by itself, and it had just a different feel, you know, it's just a certain, you know when you go to a campus, if you want to go there or not, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I used to go, you know, Absolutely. University of Pennsylvania, is... In a, I would we do comedy shows around there. It's just a lousy area. Like you walk two blocks away, yeah. and it's like you're in Nam. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's tough town. Tough town. So, so you get out of Iowa. 
Yeah. And now, have you had been? Have you been to LA before? Before you? Oh come yeah, out here? my grandparents lived out here. They lived on Pico and Beverly Glen. Okay. So I was here every summer for at least a week, sometimes two weeks. But you know, we went to Disneyland. We that's it. Like I didn't, I didn't know anybody. I mean, literally when I got here, I knew one person. Well, were you the first in your family to go into the entertainment field? Because you said there was doctors oh, yeah. lawyers. So you oh, were, oh, you yeah. were. Little, that's putting it mild. Yeah. I mean, were they were they were they supportive or like what are you doing? Or it's it must be weird for someone who has were they doctors and lawyers? Your parents? My my mother. Mother's a PhD, and my father was a lawyer and became a judge. Okay, so, so it must be something like, wait a second, you know, I mean, I don't know if, I mean, what, what was the reaction? They weren't unsupportive, but they were not like, yay, you're going 3,000 miles away in some crazy field where it looks like everybody does coke, and uh, no, like a lot of people, that has like a 1% success rate. I was talking to my dad probably about 10 years after I'd been in show business and my father uh, who's a uh, a man of few words he had been in the I guess the cafeteria where judges hang out and uh, he uh, he uh, he all the judges were complaining about their kids moving back in or needing money and so my dad called me up and he didn't call very often he was like an old-school dude and he called me up and he was like he told me the story about these other dads complaining about their kids and I'm like oh that's funny yeah it's okay dad what about it he goes so you're doing okay I'm like, yeah, Dad. I've been here 10, 11 years. I, uh, I'm doing all right, man. Thank you. <laughs> so that that was kind of what it was like. Well, it's such a concept for because my parents, you know, my father was in business, and my mom was one of the first female marketing executives That's cool. for Campbell's Soup. Very cool. But they and they always said, do what you want to do, and they always instilled the arts. But from when I started doing comedy, when I got out of college, and my degree was in business management, they're like, wait, until my name finally was in the paper, the Philadelphia Inquirer, like in like littlest print, like for, yeah. they used to have a big comedy write up. Yeah. And then it was okay. But for any parents, they sit there. It's like because entertainment. If you're from back east, they think, "Oh my God, it's like the devil." It's like going to Mars, right? Yeah, even now, it's like, like, where are you going? Yeah. So you move out to LA. You go, you're now. Where do you first move when you come out here? Do you stay North Hollywood? Okay. Uh, and again, to date myself, uh, they were building the subway. Uh, okay. My apartment was uh, about a block and a half from the subway being under construction. I grew up in New York. Not a good neighborhood. Not a great neighborhood. Not a bad neighborhood. I had never heard gunshots in my life. There were gunshots all the time. In, uh, it, there were so many gunshots in 1998 in North Hollywood that you would, you'd literally not really react to them after a while. Was, I'd heard about this kind of thing, but even being from New York, I'd never experienced that. It's great now, by the way. It's oh, yeah. I mean, it's place. nice. Now, yeah, it's funny because when I moved up, I, I lived in Hollywood for a little bit. Then me and my ex-wife lived in Westwood. Then when I got divorced, I moved to Burbank. So I, I was never really in North Hollywood. And I dated a girl from North Hollywood. And she's like, okay, be really careful when you walk back to your car. And I'm thinking, I live in Burbank. I walk home from place at night. She's like, no, you have to watch it. Yeah. And it was, it's changed, which is good. I probably shouldn't say it's online, but uh, publicly, I used to roll through red lights because I was too afraid to stop at night. So literally at night when I was coming back, I would uh, there'd be a red light and I was so worried about getting carjacked, I'd, very, I'd be very slow, look both ways, and then go through the intersection. How'd you pick that? I mean, how did that the section did you just say it's good for rent or it looked cool because in LA you can't tell it's a bad uh, section I, literally I was in class one day while I was still I was a senior in Iowa and uh, this this guy next to me was talking to another guy and I overheard that they were looking for a roommate and they were moving out to LA I was like I'm moving out to LA I didn't know them at all. I literally didn't know them we had been in a class together that's it and uh, probably 38 days later I, I was living with them so what do you do when you get here you know you you know now you know you want to do the well you said you wanted to be a director at first. that moment I wanted to be a director so you yeah. go out and you know was it that, hard, hard for you to get a job 
Oh, no. Oh, no. I got out here July 1st, 98. Uh, on July 2nd, I bought a Hollywood Reporter, uh, and it was it just by luck. It happened to be, I think, the Tuesday or whatever. They, they used to have a thick edition with uh, lots of job openings once a week. I think it was Wednesday or Thursday, or we- uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. So just blind luck, whatever day of the week July 2nd was, was the day of the week the Hollywood Reporter had their big Help Wanted section. I literally cut out, I have a picture of this still, I literally cut out every job that seemed relevant to me, I taped it on my wall, and I made a resume, and I sent a resume to way over 200 possible jobs, and I had my first job eight days later working on a movie in Las Vegas, and uh, I have been working, literally working ever since. What was the movie, do you remember? It was called uh, Going Back to Cali. Um, it was a, <laughs> to call it an African-American ripoff of Swingers uh, doesn't do it justice. Uh, it was really an African-American ripoff of Swingers. Uh, it was, uh, they would watch the movie at night, and, uh, and they would watch Swingers at night, and then the next day, literally, we filmed the scene with African-American actors. It was, uh, that was my first, uh, and by the way, not paid. Not paid. So you just went to Vegas. you at least put up? Oh, yeah. They okay. put me up. And, uh, you know, it was for, actually the first time I'd ever been to Las Vegas. Um, and I, I was a boom operator on that job. I, I PA'd. I gripped. I, I did everything. Before I got into comedy, I did every single job you can do other than camera department because I was too afraid of screwing up the film. I'm, I don't have a, I'm not good with dexterity. So I, I was always bad at loading the films, the, the film in, in college. So I didn't want to screw up anybody's movie. So I never did fi- camera department. I gripped. I was tapping into buildings. I didn't know anything about it. I was. I mean, I did. I did every job you could do without running things uh, b- before I got into comedy. Yeah. So at what point? Okay, you're doing all these things, and you worked on a few movies. Oh, yeah, I worked on tons and tons and tons of movies and commercials and, and everything. And how many movies and and commercials was it in where you said, okay? I'm not that the directing dream is gone. I'm going to just concentrate on production. That's a great question. Um, I don't know exactly when it was, but it was it was definitely less than six months. It was absolutely okay. less than six months. It might have been two months for all I know. The one funny thing is I ended up getting a job at um, on Castaway, the Tom Hanks movie, okay. and I was a production assistant in the wardrobe department. I don't have a credit. drives me crazy because it's one of the hardest jobs I've ever had in my life. Uh, but probably the hardest job I've ever had was, was being a production uh, assistant in the wardrobe department on Castaway. Way, believe it or not but um i saw robert zemeckis directing and he reminded me of me when i was like a kid in high school directing and i always think that had i seen that sooner i might have stuck with directing i'm very glad i didn't the main reason the main reason i'm i don't have the i'm not a good fit for directing is i like doing a thousand things at once and that's a very bad behavior to have as a director as a director you need to be focused on one thing do it phenomenally over the course of nine months to two years and i don't have I think I have undiagnosed ADD. So we all do. Uh, I, you know, I think anyone who's in the entertainment business yeah. has it. And it just, I mean, it happens when you read an article and you sit there and you're like, okay, and you skip around. And it's just, but growing up, you know, especially from being from back east, no one, everyone's like, oh, you know, you just, you're distracted. You yeah. Know? It's just like, yeah. you know, autism, you know, I mean, kids have autism. My nephew has a slight uh, Asperger's. But for us, it was like, you daydreamed. You know, we all did that. It's just weird. But it's like, in the entertainment, we just, our minds jump around. Yeah. So you so you sit there and you're doing that and you go you you with the castaway and then you say I want to do comedy. No, 
I not at all. It was all very sort of lucky, sort of what I always like comedy. I've been, uh, I've probably been to a bunch of comedy clubs. I always enjoyed it. Been a huge Carlin, huge, huge Bill. Co- First record I ever heard in my life of any genre was Bill Cosby. I always loved comedy, but because of Star Wars and Star Trek, comedy was always a distant third, way distant third. So okay. I wasn't. I would never. If you would ask me in 1998 to list my favorite things. Comedy would have been fifth or sixth on the list. So um, I did a lot of the movies. I did a lot of PAing, and I came to the conclusion that I was going into a production field where I. The problem with the production field is you're involved with everything too late. So the script would already be written, the money had already been raised, and then you would get the call to basically help make what had already been done. So I started to realize. I would started to realize that I had also gotten into the commercial field. I was doing a lot of commercials, and I remember um, I was working for a band of parts commercial division. I was making, I think I was making, if I remember correctly, nine hundred and eighty dollars a week. And when I first got the job, I think I had about four hundred dollars to my name. So it was this. St- Staggering amount of money to be making in 1998, 1999. But I realized everybody I was working for was miserable. And what I realized was they had all come to Hollywood like me. They had their own version of Star Wars or something. And they basically, they had kids, they had families, and the money in commercials was so good back then, they just could never leave. So I went to my boss, and I told her this whole story, and she was like, get out of here. I'll send you your check tomorrow. Get out of here. I wish I had left 20 years ago. So I literally left. I knew this person who knew this person who got me a job as a uh, unpaid intern working for a producer who had a deal at Disney. I swear to God, this is true. Uh, five floors above us. His, guy, his name is Doug Drazen. I started working for him as an unpaid intern. And uh, I was on the verge of being out of money. And um, there was a communal copy room. There's literally ten, f- five flights well, above okay. us. Yeah, five flights above us, the story I'm telling you takes place. There was a, 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 co- a common copy room. There was a kid there working as an assistant to a manager all I knew was that he was making 50 bucks a day cash, and I was almost broke, and he told me he was leaving his job because uh, he wanted to be an actor, and he had to go somewhere else. That literally is all I knew. I met with his boss, who was Barry Katz, and I said, hey, uh, what uh, what's going on here? Uh, I hear you're paying 50 bucks a day cash.